0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? Today, we're extremely privileged to be joined by Boris Jabes, the co-founder and CEO at Census. Boris is originally from Ottawa, Canada, where he went on to study computer science at the University of Waterloo. He got a start at Microsoft, where he spent seven years in various program and product manager roles leading C++, 3D graphics for Visual Studio, he then moved to San Francisco to co-found a password manager tool called Meldium, backed by Y Combinator. In 2014, he sold the startup to LogMeIn, where he became a senior director for a year and a half, before jumping into angel investing, where he took part in startups like Canvas, Endgame, Lambda, and Reflect. And in 2018, Boris co-founded his second entrepreneurial venture, Census, where he's also CEO today. Census is a reverse ETL tool that allows marketers to activate customer data from their data warehouse and boris is also a podcaster in 2021 he and his team launched the sequel show which counts over 30 episodes with some of the smartest minds in data and is one of the greatest resources to help marketers bridge the gap with data teams boris uh it's a pleasure to have you on the show man uh thanks for thanks for your time
1: i'm i'm super excited to be here phil
0: I wanted to uh, ask you the first question. Like when uh, I dived into your history, didn't didn't know about the the first entrepreneurial venture, uh, the yeah. password manager tool. So, mm. password manager to reverse ETL, pretty different uh, industries there for sure. Why don't you uh, walk us through that that journey?
1: You know, it may seem that way, but I actually think they have a amazingly correct like thread connecting them. Okay, uh, because when we started that company, the, our goal wasn't, Hey, we really love passwords. Let's do something with passwords. That wasn't the goal. It was this kind of realization, this kind of annoyance with a problem that we felt that we saw, which was that your employee identity was, was all over the place, right? When you logged into apps, what you and I experienced is like, you have 800 passwords. But if you think about that kind of almost mathematically, it's it's because you don't have one version of yourself that's federated to every application. Mm-hmm. And so in the industry that's called single sign on, right, there's all this kind of jargon around that stuff. Just like in marketing, there's all sorts of jargon in IT as well. Uh, and, but ultimately it came down to how do we make it really easy to log into any application that you use at the office. And that turns out to be a kind of hyper specialized password management designed for teams, we were one of the first ever designed for for teams. And, and so Uh, if you think about that, then when you come to census and it's in the name in a funny way, our, our pain was again, the same. It was, why is customer identity all over the place? Why is the customer, uh, kind of inconsistent across every division of the company? And that also should be federated out of some kind of central place. Right. Uh, and so. That's kind of how one connects to the other is what I'd say. My brain really is permanently kind of attuned to these kinds of problems that you get from disparate data in different places. Uh, cool. And of course, you still, I think most best companies start by like a problem that you feel. And in both of these cases, this was a problem that you know we felt ourselves.
0: Okay. So when, like, when did you feel that problem when you were at a company? Was it like at the first startup or when they were acquired and you were part of the bigger team? Yeah.
1: So when we sold that first startup, uh, and you you mentioned it, I, I ended up working with this company called Log Me In, which is a great name for something that logs you in, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a, they really had the name advantage uh, uh, for, for buying us. Um, and it was really obvious that this problem that Census solves existed because we came at it from like, we were a product and engineering and kind of analytics oriented team. It was a self-serve product, right? You could just swipe a credit card, use it. It was really easy to adopt. And now we had this amazing army of sales and marketers who worked at this larger company that wanted to, you know, cross-sell our software, they wanted to uh, engage with our users, right? They wanted to do all these things. And they didn't do a very good job of it. And one of the reasons, if not the core reason, is they didn't seem to know what our users were doing. And, and none of the kind of tools that were around, did the right thing to, 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 to solve this problem. There's definitely tools, right? There was always been tools for connecting data. <laughs> it's not a new concept, right? right. Um, but it didn't seem to drive towards a single version of reality. And there were tools that marketers just used and tools that maybe salespeople just used, but that didn't get the company to coalesce around a single version of, of the truth, specifically with the rise of product behavior being the biggest driver, right? Mm. And so so that's how census was born. Uh, and we wanted it to work at scale. We wanted it to work with all the ways that we thought made sense, right? Um, and then kind of, if you think about that, that's a technical that's a technical problem, but the goal was always to help marketers and sales and go to market folks and down the road even product folks, finance folks, take action on data, right? Use the right data, trust it and take action on it. That's always been the goal.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as part of like the the data landscape for marketers to to solve some of these problems, like I feel today, one of the more common terminology or common like stack of tools is this idea of the customer data platform. And I feel like Today, like the composable angle is is a bit more popular, uh, but like originally for sure, like two years ago, legacy package were kind of like this idea to solve a lot of that problem. Right. So before we kind of move over to the composable stack and maybe talk about reverse CTL and the role census plays there, um, I'd love your take on like, what is today your definition of the packaged CDP?
1: Yeah, this is, this is fun. I, I end up in, in definition land and uh, I'm just trying to build products that people want to use. Right. But I think it's a fair, it's fair. Like we, this is how we make sense of the world. Right. And and, right. and we are trying to, you and I are both trying to talk to the humans of Martech. So, so I think it's fair uh, to try to come up with definitions. So in my mind, you know, what, what you, you def, what you described as a package CDP comes from a long line of, of software, right? Uh, Actually, if you go back in time, there's also DMPs and CEPs, right? There's a lot of three-letter acronyms here. Uh, and what I would say is they, were, they are products uh, specifically designed for marketing and generally designed historically, in my experience, for consumer marketing, like B2C companies. And they do, I would say, three things, right? They help you collect events from your website, from your applications. They are a source of truth for that data uh, for the marketing team specifically. Mm-hmm. And they allow you to segment and personalize target uh uh, you know, based on this data into other uh marketing tools, whether those are advertising platforms, if you're coming from the DMP side of the CDP world, uh uh and again, just just using all the jargon, uh, um, or it might be into a you know, email or direct mail tool, uh, et cetera, right? So I think that's probably the most complete definition, I guess you could say, of a packaged CDP. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's probably a several uh, different components that like fall into those like three key things, but like the the one where, um and, and like we can chat about like the, the shift to composable here and like some of the reasons behind it, but like you mentioned the source of truth for marketers when it comes to customer data uh, mm-hmm. with this idea of like a packaged CDP, we're essentially duplicating another database on top of the warehouse. If if we already have that, right? Like, I feel if there's a warehouse
1: at your company, yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. That's that's a big assumption for sure. Like, I I've been part of startups, uh, like at Close, we. Didn't have a data warehouse. Like I was an advocate for it, right? Like we need a data warehouse. What are we doing? We didn't really have a data team. Our data team was our engineers who were working on the product and had to also take time learning how to like set up segments and like, because I wasn't the one writing JavaScript code on our site to make sure that we were collecting events properly. So that's, no. that's a big assumption there for sure but I feel like the industry does uh, it has moved a lot like the the amount of startups today that have a data team especially with like the relevance of AI today like there's a data scientist or like a team of analysts there right like my current startup Pelago formerly Quid Genius like we have a pretty big data team uh, is like we're, we're about 150 people but like our data team is like a good like 20 ish people they do a ton of work for us like cross team department but this idea of like having a packaged CDP just for marketing would be redoing a lot of the work that the data team has already done building our data warehouse in Redshift. So uh, do you think that that's like one of the main reasons why we've seen the shift to composable, this idea of like a stack that would just sit on top of the warehouse? Like census doesn't duplicate your data, right? Like it connects to the warehouse and thus potentially saves your data team and the marketing team time from having to recreate a duplicate version of that customer database?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I think there's a lot of reasons why people are looking at a different approach. Let's call it that. You're right that census is built differently. And again, we came at it from first principles. I didn't come at it from when we started this whole company that you know you so eloquently put in my like intro <laughs> bio there. Uh, we didn't come at it from a hey, what are these tools? You know, what is the package CDP doing and we should do something different? The, the, right. It was absolutely not in, in our mind. What we wanted was to give marketers more, better, more trustworthy data. And ideally to try to make the world a, what I would call a better place. <laughs> we we wanted to reduce the proliferation of these things, right? Uh, and you're right. In a lot of companies, there has been a huge investment happening in parallel over the last few years for on what you would call data warehouses or other kinds of data platforms, Uh, whether they're from Google or Snowflake or Amazon or Databricks, you know, it doesn't matter. There's so many options, but they are designed to store infinite amounts of data. They are infinitely flexible, I would say at this point. Uh, And they are used to answer all sorts of questions and so, why would we replicate that to solve the problem, right? So, so yeah, Census came at it uh, from the start by saying, like, well, we already have the information that I think we need, so let's start from there, right? Uh, but I do think composability is 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 a philosophy at some level, right? It, 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 I always tell my own team it comes. I I think of that word coming from the world of software, uh, so like. That's a bit of a technical aside, but really it means that you're building parts that are flexible and can work together seamlessly. It's not about breaking things down into pieces, it's about pieces that work together and in such a way that if you need to build something yourself or be custom in one part, it's that's native to the system, right? And and so I think that I don't know about you. You you've actually maybe built more CDP like implementations than I have, but I I found personally that they tend to fall short somewhere in some dimension somewhere. Uh, uh, And if you're lucky and your business perfectly fits the, you know, the, the parameters, then I'm super jealous. Uh, But as soon as you want to be customized in some form, like you're going to need to do something outside of it and make sure that that interacts, you know, that it composes with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why this is a, a a trend is that people kind of realize they need more flexibility. I do think like, why why is there more why is there a need for more flexibility and i think there there's there's a couple of things that are happening beyond just the fact that you have a data team that marketers should probably be aware of if they're not deeply deeply aware of already one is the journey the customer journey is getting way more complicated mm-hmm. uh uh it's not just you have a website and you know they you put a pixel on it and you track the you know shopping cart and you <laughs> uh you're done right like Facebook even takes care of it for for you for most of it. That was kind of the happy world that we lived in. If you're a marketer, like, let's say five years ago, it's just so easy. Just basically put a pixel and you're more or less done, right? Attribution is solved. Uh, (laughs) Engagement with the customer can be basically done because it's this very single path. Now, if you're in B2B, it's unbelievably complex, right? Like that's where we started before kind of getting deeper into the, into the consumer world. But sales cycles are multi-touch point, right? Like, App users are all sorts of variations. You have workspaces, you have different, you have admins, you have regular users, you have guests. You have so many ways to model the the user and the user relationship, and it takes a very long time, right? It's not just from they visited our ad to they're a free user to a paid user. It just goes on and on and on. And consumer, same thing, right? Like now you have millions of users. You span multiple countries. You have tons of channels. You now you're going to see an ad in different places. You got to make sure they work together. Uh, attribution is just much more complicated uh, and you have to adapt to that. And it all gets harder, if you will, uh, because of privacy. And, uh, you know, this is one of those where it must be interesting to be in the field of marketing because you as a consumer probably appreciate some of these things. Mm-hmm. And then you as a practitioner are really frustrated by these things but you know (laughs) the easy world of putting an external pixel on your website and having kind of your marketing problem solved is gone and and so you need better activation on your first party data you need better collection of first first party data and usage of it which is kind of where does that sit sits somewhere in your product database slash data warehouse right uh and you need a way to govern that because because you know Whether it's the EU or California, they they, they expect, consumers expect you to be able to to kind of show them what you know about them and be able to delete that data. So so I think all these, these are a bunch of trends that lead to people, I think, thinking about solving the problem of customer data platforms, which is what we outlined at the beginning, in a way that is a composition of of, of tools uh, centered, I think, around the data warehouse.
0: I love uh, I love how you broke that down like the all three of those totally resonate from like a a practical standpoint and like someone who has played a role in implementing like either composable or, or packaged route, right. The, the customer journey, like when I started in marketing, it was like, we could chart it out on paper and like, right. maybe there were a couple like flows here and there. And then like, maybe they're like a mobile app version of that. And then like, even like the part about introducing like personal emails versus like corporate emails on the B2B side. And then, Uh, That just got really complicated really quickly. And then I entered the health tech world and got introduced to PII (laughs) and PHI data. And like, that was just a whole other conversation there. So yeah, privacy, uh, regulation, not to mention just like GDPR and and all that fun stuff that marketers need need to keep in mind of is a yeah, I totally resonate with like that that shift. And, and you talked about like some of the limitations with like uh some of the packaged ones. Um, I do feel like when I was a segment customer uh at close, like we were super inbound, right? So like we focused a lot on like organic blog traffic for for sales folks, uh close as a CRM for listeners that are familiar. And we got like a ton of traffic on the sites and a ton of like free trial traffic, but we mm. weren't generating revenue from those users. Right, And so like the dollar or the invoice that we were getting from segment because we were being billed by a number of events and number of users. It was like disproportionate with the revenue that we were generating from this like large set of users that we were tracking, but it was important because we wanted to have like anonymous user ideas in case they ended up becoming a customer and we could do that, like uh, like attribution, but it's the same thing at at genius and, and Pelago health. Like we have a database of eligible lives that we can market our, our, application to, but we don't generate revenue from eligible employees only once they kind of like download the product. So this is like, like the dollar price tag is definitely a elementation there, but I've, I've had a taste of like both sides of it, right? Like segment and like, we're totally implementing the composable side at, at quit genius. Uh, we're census customers on the activation side of things. And when I was at wordpress.com, we like, we're big enough to have like a whole Martech team that was just like building something in house. But I'm curious, like before we dive into so like the, the piece that you fit into the composable stack um like we you gave us your definition on on package there like what's what's your definition on uh the composable CDP and uh, what are like the the benefits and and not just like the trends to toward it like that that we can right. covered, but like right. what would you say are the benefits and what's your definition
1: Yeah you you it's always great to talk to you about this cuz you 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 come at it with such a visceral like <laughs> user experience uh, kind of uh, pain. So I think of it not only about, you know, you talk about it, you, you mentioned kind of whether that's the payment structure, you 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 can look at flexibility across so many angles. Mm-hmm. But take your, you're, you're, you're going to tell me you remember this, I'm sure. But it's, let's say you wanted to start looking at these users, not just as personal email and work email, but you want to start building more attributes about them, right? Maybe there's very basic attributes, like, Are they, uh, uh, did they log in in the last 30 days? Okay. That's a basic attribute, right? It's a simple, very simple kind of aggregation that you can do in most tools. But what if, what if you want to get a little more subtle, right? Where I, I want to track maybe that you've done 10 things of a a certain type or uh, this and this, right? Like, I don't want to construct more advanced attributes about a user. I remember certain CDPs, like they would limit you to five of those, you know, just like hilarious limitations. And you could only do it with their built-in aggregations. And if you wanted to step out of that, if you were slightly more technical and wanted to do just a tiny bit, I'm talking about like two lines of SQL, no. Uh, uh, And so to me, going back to what I said, composability is about giving you that flexibility. And so that's something at its core, like census is about saying, what I would call at its very core, like two things, right? One is how do we make sure we are working with the systems that you have and that the data warehouse for us is a really, really powerful center for building marketing operations that may seem counterintuitive to, to marketers. Cause like that's a different team has historically owned that thing. But I think once you see what you can do and we make it seamless, we, we kind of hopefully take away all the scary parts of like this data warehouse thing. Uh, uh, And instead of buying one tool that tries to do everything, like store your data, transform your data, uh, uh, unify your records, uh, you you know, just kind of do it all. But in a one narrow way, it's, it's about saying you can build your own custom flexible Martech stack. In a way your WordPress example might be the thing that we're trying to give to the world, right? It's to say, Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we give the benefits of a large internal MarTech team that customizes everything to more people? And I think we are now at a stage where the technology stack makes that possible. Uh, But ultimately what it means is more attributes, right? Like, you, you know, these are things that we've never even limited customers on at all since the day we started. It's like storage for us is, is, is already something you have. So like, charging you for the, you know, the the users you have or the users that are Mm -hmm. flying through was unnecessary. Um, Helping you build more attributes is, again, free. We are running on top of a system that is infinitely flexible. Now, we make it easier by building, you know, UI on top of it to make a marketer not have to learn every deep detail of SQL, but it's right there if you want to just do it, right? Mm -hmm. So it composes, and what that means is now you have more data Right. You get you get a more complete source of truth. I think that's like the really key, right? Like a legacy CDP, if we're going to do this comparison of what is composable or what's the value of this route, it by definition can only ever be a partial copy of the data. And the warehouse gets data from everything, like point of sale systems, uh billing systems, data science models, offline data, right? It gets everything. Uh and and if you start from that as a existing resource at your company, then I'm fairly positive. The composable route gets you much faster time to value. Maybe th- mm-hmm. let's break it all the way down to that. It's like, you're going to get, you're going to get something in place that you can build a campaign against much, much faster. I think arguably like a difference between six months and 30 days, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe even, you know, a week depending on what the state of your, of your data warehouse is, yeah. uh, and, and, and it automatically will work with large scale if that's your situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally empathize with that for sure. Like the the idea of like thinking that your data warehouse is just like a different team than than your marketing team, and like oh, we're not kind of used to to, to working with that. Like for me, I've I've totally changed philosophies on that. Like I would rather my data team focus on building something they're comfortable with and they get to pick the stack and like maybe they involve me a little bit on on part of those discussions from like a use case perspective, what we're going to use for that data. But like I spent a lot of time um, teaching data analysts like what we're gonna do with the data once they set up the stack. Like, here are the segments that we want to build, here are like the emails that we want to send, the personalizations, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then like light bulbs kind of go off. And like obviously they're 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 doing their own teaching on on like the 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 tools and like the transformation and like the models and all that stuff. But yeah, like it's uh it, it for me, it's definitely changed. Like I I don't want to like position this like idea of storing customer data as like a marketing tool and then like my data team has to stop working on the warehouse or stop working on like other data transformation projects just to like make sure the CDP is set up because like it it is kind of marketed in a way to be like you don't need a data engineer to like get set up with your package CDP but like I think that's totally bullshit like having used segment (laughs) and like having been in that world like I, I totally need to rely on an engineer like even being a technical for like right. JavaScript and stuff like that. Right.
1: I think we will all win, not just, you know, you and marketers in general and data teams and data teams in general. Me, Boris, even as like, you know, running this company as a business, I will win. We all win if the relationship between those two organizations improves. Like, I think you're very right that people deploy tools that are just for them because they think the other side will not help or will be a hindrance. And we end up in a net worse world just, it happens a year later. (laughs) And, and that data team is angry at that marketing team. They're like, they have a different thing over there. It's like a pain, you know? And then the compliance team is like security and and regulation compliance is even harder now because like, where's our data? It's like multiple places. Uh, Metrics are inconsistent and who's going to get blamed. It won't be marketing. Obviously it'll be the other guys. And so it's, it's, and all that and you get less flexibility right so mm-hmm. so if we can just bridge that gap i think everyone wins. Uh, And that's always a good place to be.
0: Yeah. And it it will take time for sure. And, but like, I think like the investment in bridging that gap and like getting everyone on the same page, like we're, we're all working towards growing the company. Like, even though we have potentially like different, like sub KPIs and and sub North star metrics, like at the end of the day, like we all kind of ladder up to the same thing, but I totally remember like, like the work that you would spend on like bridging that gap, like 10 years ago in in startups and MarTech, like you were spending that time uh, without a data team, like just working with the engineering team and the product team to get that important data into downstream marketing tools. And we would need to build individual integrations with each of these tools through API. So like Marketo at the time had a very, very rough rest API. (laughs) Bill, it's
1: still not great. Uh Don't tell him I said that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but like t- today is at least like marketers can partner with data teams and and activate and, and make use of that data already. So I would love for you to like dive into the the reverse detail component of the, yeah. the package CDP there. Um, yeah, like my my way of thinking about it and like the the way uh, shout out to to Dion on, on my data team at, at my startup. He's really like opened my eyes to the the composable stack. Is like at first when I joined quit Genius, I was like like we need like a CDP, we need a segment in here, right. and he. It was just like well you know like here's this idea of like un- unbundling this stuff and how they kind of work together and like at the time segment wasn't um, uh, HIPAA compliant yet like they, they are today huh. so like right off the bat it was like a non-starter and we needed to right. find a tool that could that do that or a suite of tools or whatever so for me uh, census uh, on our team is essentially extracting data from Redshift our warehouse transforming it to meet the API specs of our other tools so we use iterable we use Salesforce, and it basically loads it into those tools, and I don't need to manage individual APIs and make sure that like we're syncing it properly. And there's a bi-directional sync. There is that. Is that a fair take? Like how how would that's you a very it? good
1: that's a very good like low level explanation of the product. Actually, uh, uh, yeah, I think your your internal understanding of it is is is, is spot on. Um, it connects natively right to data warehouses like Redshift, and we support like, you know, nearly 20 of them now, precisely like you said, allows your team, you, your data team to build transformations or you leverage existing ones, right? Doesn't matter. The same way you would in a, uh, if you're a marketer, like your CDP helps you transform data here. It's just like, well, the warehouse already lets you do that. So we just, we give you a UI on top of that for you to do it. And then you are absolutely correct that the thing that's completely transparent, that's actually a lot of work is making it fit then what iterable needs or what Marketo needs or what Salesforce needs and doing that without, you know, busting through your API quotas and uh, uh, making sure it retries when it fails because these things blip and like fail for all sorts of reasons and all the things that are very difficult to build. And if your own engineering team, you ask them to build it, it would be, what I would call like it's the kind of work. This is maybe a weird way to say it, it's the kind of work that doesn't get you promoted <laughs> inside a company that isn't building these things yeah. as its first as its first party thing. <laughs> so, and and what does that all do? It means that you as a marketer get more data available to personalize the customer experience. Like that that and that's the net benefit of reverse ETL.
0: Who who would you say coined the term reverse ETL? <laughs> who came up with it?
1: Ah, so <laughs> let's see. It's not as exciting as it probably should be. But <laughs> when we first started, so it was about nearly five years ago now. It's very difficult the first time to explain this, right? And and when you start a company, by the way, you're you really don't know how to pitch it to people. You don't know what words they want to hear, mm-hmm, and you, mm-hmm. you, and so you you one of the things that happens is you sometimes state your problem way too high level. I'm embarrassed enough to say, like, I may have had a couple pitches in the early months. Like, with this is not venture pitches, I'm talking, you know, customer conversations where I tried to keep it super high level. Like, mm-hmm. don't you wish you could A B test your sales campaigns? <laughs> it's like, you know, super high level things. And it's like, they're like, yeah, that sounds exciting. I'm like, well, what you really need is a really good data tool. <laughs> and their brain would be like, wait, what? Uh, um, so, so when I started just explaining what the product did the way you did, the, the, the people quickly kind of started thinking, Oh, people from the data world had a name for this. And it was tools like like FiveTran and Stitch. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're like, so it's kind of like those tools, but in reverse. And I said, yeah, like that's actually an accurate. I felt embarrassed because I was like, well, I don't like to ever say, you know, you're X for Y. You know, I don't yeah, I don't like yeah. those kinds of things. I'd like to be able to stand on my own two feet. But <laughs> but you know, at some level you're like, yes, your brain has correctly understood, you know, the 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 flow of data. Um Hopefully you can see that it's a lot more than that in terms of what it enables, but, but that's a fair d- description. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. And so that started to permeate in the, in the data ecosystem, not not actually in the business operations and marketing operations where we were working, like the, 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 they did start talking about it that way there, but it started being a word used by data teams. Uh, and this is like the first time I think I saw it was in a notion doc that someone shared about like some interesting tools. It was like one of those. <laughs> and, And then, you know, sometimes markets just operate a certain weird way. Like what happened is the, as interest for this started to grow, people needed to kind of give this a name, you know, and, and since this was born first and foremost, like the excitement was born out of the data teams that wanted to do to help you, right? Like it was exactly like, that was the first set of humans who were excited by what this was. It was the potential to help their marketing team with better data. Uh, so they knew the word ETL and you can't just t- talk about a category as a reverse another app. So they were <laughs> like, well, what does that app do? It's a kind of ETL. So reverse ETL was kind of born as a name. And then there was a kind of a venture think piece about it, right? Which is how it often happens. And because they're trying to make a name for themselves. And so they're like, Oh, this is a category and we've, you know, we're behind it. And then, so, and so then it became a thing. Uh, and that's kind of how the, the term was, was born. I think, uh, Honestly, I I don't really think it matters who coined this term. Uh, um, it doesn't. It's actually, you know, my degree from Waterloo that you so gracefully mentioned at the beginning is mathematics and computer science degree, right? So it's actually it's not even a good mathematical term for this. It's just the name for it now, so it's Googleable. So that's good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so like far be it from me to 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 fight it. It's good. Um, but ultimately. It's, I think it's a means to an end, right? And the the ends are how do I help you do more targeting, more personalization, with more attributes about your customer. Like, and we go to so many customers that have like, if you actually look at how many fields they use in campaigns, it's like maybe ten or something. Yeah, and yeah. why aren't you doing more? You know? And 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 that's really what we're about. And and reverse ETL is really just a a the the, the technical means for that. And again, I'm not. I think it's actually tremendously difficult to build this well. Uh, you know, we support 160 destinations. They are all peculiar. Uh, and we want them all to work with, If even if you have a billion, you know, users and a billion events, uh, we have customers who regularly run campaigns against like 150 million customers, you know? So that's, that's no small thing. And like your bill, if we don't optimize those syncs is... Is your bill on something like Braze might become very large, so you know we have to be very careful to manage your quote as well. All these things that you have to do, mm-hmm. but it's it's really just about giving you far more granularity and how do we make it as easy as possible? And this is why I like talking to guys like you because it's like the job to be done is not reverse ETL. The job to be no. done is how do I help marketers personalize better? I will benefit as a consumer. Just last week I got an email that said, "Dear unknown," and I was like. I wish I was not unknown. I should change my name tag to say unknown. It's like, you know, this happens all the time. And then even worse, it's like, you know who I am and you still don't talk to me the right way, right? And it's like, so I still want those things to happen. And so how do I help you Mm -hmm. make that happen?
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you you guys specifically have like changed the the messaging a little bit to be more specific to that job to be done that marketers need to have totally. like data activation versus the the reverse CTL i still yeah. like both like i think they go hand in hand cuz like the technical marketer works with the DevOps team, and right. the DevOps team is super familiar with ETL, and like they throw right. it around and like all the charts and like the the <laughs> workflows and like how the data is moving. So when we say we need a reverse ETL tool for them, it's just like, okay, yeah, you just need something to get data from the warehouse into other stuff.
1: I'm gonna start a podcast field that's like instead of humans in Martech, it's gonna be the charts, of like the 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 the, the, the lineage charts of, of Martech. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, we got data here and it goes over here and then it goes over here oh, and then. And also, oh, there's this other thing on the side that does this. I swear we should just collect these as like a, and just just analyze them and be like, ah, so why'd you put this over there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's wild to see how complicated and and overly complicated uh, some of these have to be sometimes. Um. Let's, Uh. I, I want to get into a, a spicy question, a bit of a spicy okay. question for you. So a few folks that are critical of the composable route for CDPs have said that okay. the whole debate is stemming from the desire to package reverse ETL tools into a way that sells to marketers, but causes a lot of confusion because some of these reverse ETL vendors claim to be able to replace a legacy CDP or a package CDP. So the obvious question then as a marketer who's like setting these things up is like, okay, I've got a reverse ETL tool that said that they're going to replace my legacy CDP, but how do I solve for the CDI component of this? How do I solve for identity resolution? And I know census doesn't claim to replace the CDP, right? So curious what what your take is here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Not only do we not replace it i think there's tons of customers that have been using census for years in combination with the cdp so so i think the 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 that's just not the reality either right whether whether it's our claim or not um so i think first composability to me is a like i said it's a it's a philosophy it's a way of thinking and it means that you build tools that integrate seamlessly with others and allow the user, right? Whether that's you as a marketer or uh, your colleague at, at at Quijenius who wants to, you know, from the data team who wants to to customize things further, whether it's the other parts of the ETL and warehousing stack, right? For them to be able to work with this without making it obscenely complicated, right? And that's, so, so not only do we not kill a traditional CDP uh, or claim that they're dead, uh, I think we are trying to give more users, more trustworthy data in more places, right? That's, that census. And if, you know, we're trying to not add another silo to your business, right? So we're actually saying you have data infrastructure, let's leverage it. Let's, you know, let's not make another copy. The census is not like, yay, here we are the new thing. Right. Um, and so. The, the, yeah, I think it's a little bit weird to, to, you know, I I think it's just common in, in marketing, in brand marketing to, to talk about things in terms of like, we're killing this or we're, you know, destroying that. And, you know, just look at YouTube any given day. It's like, everything's being destroyed for some reason. Um, (laughs) But I do think composability is, is net better for the world. Right. And so the same way software, like you ask any savvy engineer, any, any grizzled engineer, they will talk about using very like the way they design their software is that it doesn't break when other software is combined with it. Like that's what makes it really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And programming languages even get discussed in this way of like, how do they solve composability uh, or for composability? And so I I think just a warehouse native way is a really good way to approach that. I think everyone benefits. Like I said, I think, I think you are, you're a better standard bearer for it than I am. Uh, And if you have a tool that does identity resolution for you, whether it's called a CDP or it's called anything, an ID tool, right? I don't care. Then let's make it seamless for you to be able to use that in tandem with what we have, right? And I think you have, you'll have you find that a lot of companies, there's a data team, there's a data scientist who's actually doing something that resembles identity resolution, by the way. And that just works seamlessly with our platform. And if it happens in an external tool used by marketing, great. What I would say is let's just make sure it benefits everyone, mm-hmm. not just the marketing team. Right. I, you know, rewind to the first thing I told you. It's like it's in the name of the company, right? Census is a very bold name for a company, and very tough from an SEO perspective. But <laughs> yeah. it's really tough from an SEO perspective. But but it's really the goal. It's I want every company should not have twelve. Census, right? You should have one for yourself. And so if identity resolution is happening in your CDP, let's not lock that to just the marketing team, right? The sales team, the finance team, the privacy and compliance team, all of them need that too. So that's kind of where I take it as like, this is where composability wins over non composability, but it has nothing to do with like census and versatile kill CDPs.
0: Yeah. I love it. I think the, the point you raised about like the, the warehouse native, like warehouse first or, or connected apps topic or, or whatever, like when, when I was diving into this, like you guys would definitely like fall under that category, right? Like you don't store any of our user right. data in the warehouse. You just sit on top of it. And this idea of sitting on top of your data warehouse is like, it's it's very novel for marketers who are used right. to working in marketing automation software, whose primary focus of billing you is by number of users in that marketing automation database. So they're essentially duplicating your database, just like a, a package CDP yeah. does, right? Listen, you got to pay for but the database I, somewhere. Exactly, right? But like you said, like you guys aren't like charging people based on number of users they have in the warehouse because you're not storing that data.
1: So right. I think our database just says that you've logged in right? Like we have right. to store you, like not, not, not your users.
0: Mm-hmm. So I've like, I've come across like a few of these tools that are warehouse native that uh would replace like some of these like iterables or our marketos like eventually sure, yeah maybe they, they'll like figure out how to do that too but like some of the companies solving this are vero message gears castle.io like we're chatting with mm-hmm. uh, the, the founder of that company later this uh next month some of these companies are also solving this on like the product analytics side like kubit indicative census is doing that like we said like for for activation tools so like, I was curious, like your take on what happens if like in five or whatever years from now, the marketos and the iterables, like they wake up and instead of charging you based on the number of users you have in their database and they're copying the database, they figure out a way to become warehouse native also. And yeah. th- like, does that like, like basically, do you think that warehouse native CEPs remove the need to buy and maintain a data pipeline solution? like a reverse ETL, if I'm able to just get my customer engagement platform to sit on top of my data warehouse?
1: Right. So I think it's a great question. And A, nothing would be better than if we ended up in that world, right? (laughs) Uh, um, I think because it would mean less proliferation of of data, right? And more consistency. And I stated that as my goal when we started this thing. And so I want that. Uh, I don't know how fast those things happen. Right. Uh, I think so, so my ability to predict when is limited, right? What I can tell you is that we've been doing it for longer than anyone else, pretty much. And so it's like you said, census is effectively a warehouse native solution and has yeah. been since before that was a term. Uh, and in fact, the, our product has, you know, connects natively to these warehouses, and what does it do? Is it allows you activate that data, right? As a marketer, take it and put it into a customer engagement platform, let's say. And we now also support, right? And we launched a few, couple months ago uh to great fanfare something called the Audience Hub, which is a component in our product. Like it's you can buy it effectively as a separate SKU, or it's part of our larger, You know, you can buy the fat plan, and it is a that's not the technical term. I just. <laughs> my sales team will kill me. Uh, 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 But um, This audience hub is a segmentation experience that you are super familiar with, right? That is native to the warehouse. It's just an extension of what we've already built that gives you, you know, the ability to create segments and test them and experiment with them and all of that without ever writing a line of SQL, all of which runs natively against your warehouse. And, and then you can activate that too. Right? So, so, here's what we know from having worked on this for years. First, they only, they work seamlessly. This works seamlessly only if you have perfect data in your warehouse to begin with. Yeah. And a lot of what census does, you said it yourself, right? When you described reverse ETL, it's about getting the data in the right form and it's about helping you build the right transformations, the right shape of the data to make it useful and warehouses they are optimized for storing tables of data. Mm -hmm. That's it. They're very, very, very good at it, right? But if you think of Marketo, Marketo is not operating on tables of data. It's operating on users or contacts or whatever nouns you use, right? And what we found, and I know a lot of the companies you've named, I think they're they're friends. And and they have to build a lot of the same functionality that Census has already built. Things like validating the data before you use it, uh, the ability to customize to some degree the, the the kind of the the relationships. Oh, and by the way, data warehouses don't show you what the relationships are. So census understands relationships between things. And you need that if you're going to build a segment that is users who have done this event 12 times, right? Then you need to know that there's a user's table and an event's table and they're related a certain way. Mm-hmm. Oh, and let's not get started about many to many relationships between like a workspace and a user and, and so on and so forth, right? And so... Yes, I think warehouse-native tools are going to increase. Uh, the, absolutely, will happen. But I actually think the fastest way for uh, for people to build that, if you're an app developer, is actually no joke to call us uh, and, and and work on top of Census, which is already a basically a perfect layer on top of the warehouse to give you more benefits. Right, mm-hmm. so. So uh, I have nothing to announce today, but like definitely app developers should contact me before they try to build all of this themselves. Um, But yeah, I think the need for data pipelines will reduce over time. And won't that be a great day? Like I don't care about data pipelines. Mm -hmm. Like who, who does (laughs) that's not, that is not a user goal. Yeah. That's like, the same way Apple, you know, they don't ever really try to talk about like the the the, the megahertz or whatever. Right? I guess now it's gigahertz. You know, it, it's it's like, what is the thing you can do? And if ETL, if moving data just disappears as a concern, great. I think that's many, many years away. Yeah. I think people will declare it long before it's true because <laughs> it markets <laughs> really well, yeah. right? They'll declare things to be a zero ETL framework or whatever, or, or some, some other thing like that. That's very... Plausible and it will be true over time. But you know, I hate to play the math game again. But like the speed of light is a real thing, and like data cannot instantaneously be in all places at all times. Like that's that's actually not possible. So so this is all gonna get better. Uh and I, I can't wait for the day when as a as a marketer, when you use an application, you don't have to think about how data is loaded into it. And that was always the goal of census. So if we get there because everyone becomes warehouse bound, then I will be so happy phil swear to god like i will be just so happy because i think the fact that companies manage complicated systems of data movement is is a distraction yeah like there should be one like what you need to work on is transforming and modeling your users that's a hard problem that you need Mm -hmm. to spend time on and we try to make it as easy as possible for you to do that Uh, i don't think we purpose to say we solve it for you uh and then everything else should be like. I think a couple of years ago I was on a panel and I said something kind of glibly, but I really do believe this is like every application you use should just be a a very lightweight cache on the core data warehouse that you have or the data platform that you use, and and that's what we want to make possible. So let's 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 make it happen. It's I'm, I'm on board.
0: I love yeah love love the the future picture that that you've painted there. I feel like that would be. A dream for for many marketers. Boris, this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel like there's there's a couple topics I I wanted to get into also, but I know we're short on time. And there's we didn't there's talk a about question. AI. I'm so sorry. For yeah, that. no no worries. Maybe actually I'll I'll get your super quick take on it. Like, okay. what do you think are the challenges that AI has to replace everything a marketer does today? And you have uh, three minutes to answer.
1: Okay. Um, I think trusting in data is really hard, uh, yeah. and AI actually makes it even harder, right? Because if, let's say you wanted to write a really good campaign to engage a user, right? So I think if you're operating in a world where fuzziness is okay, so maybe ad tech is a good example, then AI is already a huge player. Arguably, under the covers, you don't realize, but people have been putting ads into Facebook and Google. You've already been dealing with absolutely world-class AI to try to figure out where to put your ad. So it's already happening. And there, I think AI is already like, it will just help you on the producer side, on the marketer side, to generate more content faster to feed the machine that is Google and Facebook. So that's actually just net good. We should use it right away. Anyone who's not trying to 10x or 100x the quantity of options they feed the system is, is falling behind. Um, but when it comes to, let's say you wanted to put AI to answer a question to a customer about something very important, like whether you're how to get a wheelchair in a place where you want to be ADA compliant. Do you really want to answer with a hallucination? (laughs) Don't know. So you're going to have to figure out how to constrain these systems. And I do think that is something that there's a ripe space to kind of help people give it correct data and and constrain its answers to things that you would be comfortable with, whether that's PII or, or just correctness. And so... I think that's going to hold back a lot of bigger companies. Smaller companies are just going to go nuts and have fun with it. And it's great. (laughs) I think marketers should absolutely play. If you're not playing with AI right now, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you should be employed in the field of marketing. (laughs) Uh, uh, Harsh. I know. I know. Uh, But at least you would be playing. But I think there's a huge opportunity uh, as as real companies need to deploy AI and they go, like, how do I play in this? You're going to want to give them more trust in the data. And so, you know, even there, there's a role for us to play of like just at least helping more people get data they trust uh, uh, to power these systems.
0: Love it. Totally agree. That's a great advice there. Whereas last question. You're a co-founder, a CEO, an investor, a speaker, a podcaster, an avid sports fan, including cricket, hockey, and many other sports as well. You're an AI dev enthusiast, mm-hmm. a foodie, a reader, a gamer also. You've got a lot going on, obviously. One question we ask all of our guests at the end of the show is how do you remain happy and successful in your career? How do you find balance between all of the things that you're working on while staying happy?
1: An Amazing question, Phil. Also, amazing how you found all those things out about me uh the I think my answer is simple for me it's about people uh who I surround myself with at the office like my coworkers, my friends my spouse like I think it's people bring you up you know and I, I find that when I spend time with people in my life and again it spans all of those I love my coworkers. I love my friends I love my spouse it is it just it brings me up you know? And, 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 and I get inspired by them to do more, to hang out, you know, all those things. It's like, I actually, I'm going to the office after this from my house. And it's like, I can't wait, you know, to, to, to be around them. Uh, and so that's, that's my answer. It's just being around good, great people, uh, helps me.
0: I love it. Great answer. Uh, anything else you want to plug the audience before we go? Uh, I'll link out to the community, uh, survey that you guys are doing for, for data pros, uh, also the new audience hub that, that you mentioned too, but anything else?
1: I think, look, we've got a lot coming. Uh, 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 I think if they want to reach out, I'm always down to talk to people. You know, it's one of those, as the company gets bigger, the CEO gets less pings. And I'm like, ping me, like reach out to me. You should make it easy for, for them to reach me too. And I think I'll just plug the thing that you and I talked about at the beginning, which is if if marketers and data teams could work better together, we would all benefit, right? And I think what's unique about Census in the world of MarTech is that we really work with data teams and we understand them and we want to make this a better collaboration and so there's a lot of features that are about to come out at census around making that possible uh without feeling like ah it's all like a big lift from engineering all the time Mm. right and and so if people have been frustrated by that like yeah let's talk
0: awesome excited to keep tabs on the future census sports. thanks so much for your time man this is super fun
1: this is super fun thank you